Hello, boils and ghouls, and welcome to a special Spooktober edition of Just Hit Play with your hosts, Peter and Nick Cabral. If your stagnant, streamed music feed needs to be raised from the dead, then strap yourselves in for an intergenerational sonic journey to the dark side, where Peter and Nick introduce you to their favourite spooktastic songs. Welcome to episode 74 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is my co-host, Nick. Nick, how are you doing this week? I'm doing very well this week. I've started doing some really cool stuff in school and in the labs and everything. And uh, yeah, I've been having just lots of fun with that and everything. Yeah, I saw you posted something. I think it was on Instagram where you were on a stretcher. Now, I kind of figured that was for a lab and I wasn't going to ask you if you were in the hospital. But was that for a lab? I figured I'd leave it for the episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was for one of my labs. Uh, One of the ones I did this week where we were just practicing like transferring patients to beds and, and stretchers and wheeling them all around the hospital, getting practice with that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I am okay. That was purely for academic purposes. Yeah. I don't know if it's what that says about me, whether, you know, because I, I didn't ask you personally and I wanted to wait for the episode to ask <laughs> you. I don't know what that says about my character, but I'm glad you're okay nonetheless. Well, if it makes you feel any better, no one else uh, asked if I was okay. So, <laughs> Oh, really? Alone. Sons of Sons of bitches. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. I just, Maybe. instead of assuming that uh, none of my friends actually like me, none of my friends or family, I just assumed that they all knew I was good. I think it was everyone had a smile on their face and like who takes a <laughs> selfie when they're on a stretcher? Um, yeah. So I think it was was more that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, so let's, let's go with people care. They just go, oh, yeah, Nick's, Nick's just doing a lab. Exactly. Yeah, and I I got my stethoscope this week, which was like right. that made me feel like, you know, I'm I'm really becoming a healthcare professional. That was a big moment. All right, so I I got a question for you. How many things have you pressed that against to see if you can hear things making noises? Oh, constantly, I, I keep putting it on, listening to my own heartbeat, and it's like, yeah, right. it's still there, it's still, <laughs> still there. Nice. Well, yeah, that's all good. That's all good signs then. Yeah. 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 Absolutely, it is. Cool. And the weather is getting uh, quite warmer here, so uh, I have the aircon on, which apparently no one can hear. So it is. Um, people laugh at me here in Australia because it's not warm at all, um, but I feel the heat and the, and the humidity quite a lot. So I, that's why I have, a, I have the aircon going on in the background. I was just going to say, as it's getting warmer for you, it's getting very cold here very quickly. So. Oh, Nick, I can't wait. I'll be there in a week and a bit. So uh, very yeah, ten days actually uh, is when I. 11 days officially from when we're recording from when this episode comes out, it'll be under a week when, uh, when I'm there. So looking forward to it. Nice. We'll get ready for some, some cold weather. Yeah. And uh, in our Brisbane studios is Darren. Darren, how are you doing? Are you feeling the, the humidity? No, not at present. Uh, fun the rain the other day, but it's just threatening since then. So I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's been raining a lot here in the last few days. Hopefully we don't have another flood season like we did. A, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember now. Um, so, yeah, let's see how that goes. I think it was last year we had a lot of flooding, yeah. Fingers crossed there's no flooding this year. Um, are you ready yeah. to delve into some music? I really am. I, I, okay. I'm excited to talk about these songs. All right. So if you're the, if you're listening to this episode or this podcast for the first time, uh, during the month of October, we call it Spooktober. So we're listening to more Halloween sort of type songs. And the one I got you to listen to is by a band called Blue Oyster Cult. And the song is called Godzilla. So uh, Darren, just hit play.
right, so there's uh, Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, or BOC as they uh, as their fans like to call them. Now, this isn't an allegory for anything. This song is literally about Godzilla, as you might have guessed in the lyrics. Uh, so tell me what you thought about uh, Blue Oyster Cult's Godzilla. Fantastic song. I don't know how I could have a bad word to say about this song. It's, yeah. it's so catchy, and it's the right balance between that poppy catchy factor but also just sounding like, like good rock music you know mm. what i mean it's and the lyrics i mean obviously are hilarious and also really good like it doesn't yeah. feel like a, a bad use of a gimmick of making the song right. godzilla it actually serves the song and i love that and last thing i'll say is obviously uh as anyone who's listened to this podcast knows, I love any time guitar has effects on it or sounds fuzzy or grungy, and this song has that. So I like I like that a lot. And I wish yeah. this is what I wish. Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a. Um, you know, I think you're right when you said Bark at the Moon had had some synths in it. It didn't. It sounded a little bit too clean. Uh, this definitely has like a that 70s sort of grungy sound to it, and the guitar the guitar work on this on this song is is fantastic. Blue Oyster Cult are known for their guitar sound. It's it's phenomenal. Like the production is really good. When when did this song come out? Oh, um, you know what? I've done so much research for this song, but I don't have that on my list. I'm going to say mid 70s. Darren, if you don't mind taking a look while you, while you're in the back end, I'm going to say in the mid 70s sometimes. Okay, yeah. that's a. This song is very well produced for yeah. coming out mid seventies. Like the vocals and everything, uh, the effects on those, like super, super well produced. That, that was my lasting yeah. impression. Yeah. Um, when the band, so let me say this right off the bat: this wasn't a big hit uh, for really? the band, which is really surprising. Their big hit is a song called "Don't Fear the Reaper," uh, which was the album before this one. That is the, their best known song. Um, but this was sort of one of those songs that just became part of the band's lore and, and it, it was a sleeper it, it sort of grew and grew as the band uh, started playing live and what they used to do in the early days is they would have a, an animatronic Godzilla on stage when this song got played and had sort of glowing eyes and um, you know they didn't that didn't last very long I think they only probably did it for a couple of tours and they sort of just did the lighting and sound effects for the Godzilla but they, they put away the animatronic Godzilla that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. That's so fun and theatrical. I, I love when bands do stuff like that for their live shows. Yeah. There's a couple bands. Um, Alice Cooper has a song called Don't Feed My Frankenstein, which he would bring out a Frankenstein monster during the show. And we'd perform like some kind of like magic show where there was like decapitation and a lot of blood and glore, uh, gore sorry, uh, during that song. Uh, another band, uh, Iron Maiden, they had a monster called Eddie, which would come out and destroy things. Um, and the fans love that kind of stuff. Uh, so, you know, I, I think sometimes that can take away from the music, but uh, it's fun nonetheless. So there are a few bands that do monsters on, on stage with them. It surprises me that this wasn't a hit. I Yeah, I it's feel so like good. It, it had to have been. Uh, not even in, like, Japan? Um, no, I don't believe... I don't think it was... There was as strangely you say that there's a band called Big in Japan. Um, <laughs> I don't think this was Big in Japan. Um, yeah, it, it was... You know, it's remembered well. It's it's like I said, it was a sleeper, but it didn't. It wasn't a big hit uh, hit song. No, that's a shame. Uh, the right, music yeah. listeners of the mid seventies, you've let me down on this one because uh, I, I can't see what there isn't to, 
to like about this song it's it's just great yeah. it's it's a great pop song great rock song uh, the lyrics are so good and i i love how they actually get into like the themes of the godzilla movies like how it's yeah nature versus man and meddling with nature and how you, yeah. uh, humans trying to control things that they shouldn't be controlling uh that's all great stuff i think yeah, and Darren just confirmed it. it this song did come out in 1977, so it was, it was pretty close to the mid 70s, late to the late 70s. So yeah, so that's when the song came out. Maybe maybe Godzilla wasn't big enough in the Western world, it wasn't ubiquitous well, in pop culture for people to get know, it. It's funny in the year 2019, I believe um, this in the song there was a King of Monsters. Uh, so this song was used in that movie, but as a cover version by another band named Serge Tankian, which I don't know what that is. Uh, so that was covered, but on the album. And then there was another album I think came out, I think it was 2009, that was a mo- like a Godzilla movie, and that didn't get featured in the Godzilla movie. And the band, it was 98, that when the, when the other Godzilla movie came out where the song wasn't used, and the band actually re-recorded this song with lyrics to match that how it wasn't used in the Godzilla movie. So it goes, Oh no, say it isn't. So there's no Godzilla a million spent on special effects, but our tune just ain't getting no respect. So they changed the lyrics <laughs> to add that. Uh, and the producers at the time wanted a more commercial song. So they went with the P Diddy song instead, which is a shame. Wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. They went with P yeah. Diddy uh, yeah. over, over the song literally named Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah, like it's no, right there. It's, it's begging it to be. It's begging to be used in a Godzilla movie. You know, there's a there's a Black Sabbath song called Iron Man, which got used in the first Iron Man for like a few seconds when Tony Stark at the end goes, "I am Iron Man." Yeah, uh, which is in reference to the song. They actually say that in the song as well. So at least Marvel did use a little bit of Iron Man in Iron Man. So you know, that was a smarter move. Right. It's sometimes you just got to go with the obvious play yeah, and, and give people what they want, what they expect to, to see and hear. Like, of course, Marvel was going to use Iron Man by Black Sabbath. It was staring them in the eye, daring them to, to put that song in the movie. And they did it. Even, even Thor three, they finally used a Led Zeppelin song, which was written about Thor. Um, so they, you know, that song I'm talking about, I, it's, yeah. I'm blanking on the, on the song title at the minute, but they actually used the, 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 the actual Led Zeppelin song in the song and used it heavily in throughout the, throughout the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy that they didn't use this in no. the 98 one. That's, that's the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. That movie. is the Matthew Broderick movie. Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad's a big, uh, big fan of Godzilla and the Godzilla movies. Yeah. So I've, I've seen yeah. quite a few of them just growing up and, I've always liked them a lot. Like I'd consider myself a Godzilla fan. Sure. Yeah. Well, did you watch Kong versus uh, Godzilla? <laughs> it's funny. I just said I'm a Godzilla fan, and I have to admit <laughs> I haven't seen the, the new King Kong versus Godzilla yet. Okay. Well, let me say let me say this. It's terrible, right? But you know, you kind of expect it to be terrible. Like it's yeah. preposterous. I saw that movie. Um, I have this thing about watching bad movies in 4D. You know, you worked in the movie theater. Do you, is there 4D in Canada? Yeah, where the the seats move and vibrate and all that, and you get water thrown at you, and yeah, you know. That, like, so I saw this movie in 4D and it was fantastic. So it was so <laughs> bad, and getting jostled around, and you know the the wind machine effects and the lighting effects, and 
you know, that you get in water sort of sprayed in your face whenever they were sort of, whenever Godzilla was near water. Funny, uh, I'm going to see the Black Adam today and I'm going to go to try to see it in 4D as well because I, I only like seeing bad movies in 4D and I heard Black Adam isn't very good, but I'll let you know next week. Yeah, let us yeah, know. So, yeah, I'll, I try to see as many bad movies as I can in 4D. I took Angie on her birthday to see the Dune movie in 4D. And that was a good movie, though. <laughs> no, 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 it was. But I, I, I wanted to take her. T- I love Dune. The book is great and the movie is great. Yes. But I wanted to take her because it annoyed her so much that <laughs> every time she got taken out of the movie by the, by her seat game, seat game thrown around, I loved I loved her reaction more than, than the movie, I'd say. <laughs> she was so angry with me and so annoyed. It was brilliant. That's I really like that that you, that you see bad movies in 4D. That's uh, oh, it's it's nice amazing. Visual. Yeah, it's it's absolutely amazing. So yeah, so that hopefully that continues today when I go see Black Adam. Uh, again, the life of a of a man without any children. I go see movies during the day without any you know problems at all. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really nice. Really, yeah. really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I I wanted to see uh, just briefly. I wanted to see the yeah. new Godzilla King Kong movie. Yeah. But I didn't get a chance to go when it was in theaters. And yeah. I feel like that's a movie that you have to see in, in a cinema, right? Like just with the, the big screen and the sound. I don't know. It's So I haven't really been itching well, to watch it. I'll tell you what, Nick, next time you go home to, to your dad's house, he does like to brag about it, the, the curve of his TV. Why don't you <laughs> see if you can watch it on the curve to TV that your dad loves so much? Well, my TV is actually newer than his, so I oh, really? There you go. It's not curved. Yeah, it's it's not curved, oh. but it's it's newer. Yeah, I see. You might need the curve. I don't know. Your dad really loves the curve. The curve is nice. It's a wider viewing angle. It is nice. Yes, it is. So yeah. So there's a shout out to your dad's TV. Um, there was a baseball player, Hideki Matsui, who used to play for the New York Yankees, and his nickname was Godzilla. And this was, was his Japanese? walk-up music. He was a Japanese player. This was his walk-up music when he would uh, when he would come to a plate, at least in the Yankee Stadium, where there was where there's walk-up music for the home players. Again, that's just genius. It's yeah, it's right there. It's begging you to do it. Yeah. No, again, this is one of those songs that you know, being alive during the seventies when this movie, sorry, not movie, when the song came out, it's just like it was just part of the furniture. You just always heard the song. You always knew the song. Um, so you know to hear again, something fresh in your ears, you know, sort of song you didn't know, or you maybe had heard in passing or in the background. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to, to hear these songs again through you, through your ears, really. Yeah. I've, I've definitely heard the song in passing just, uh, from my dad playing it and yeah. singing the chorus. Cause it's so catchy, yeah. but yeah, I've never really given it proper attention, proper listen until yeah. now for this episode. And it seems silly. Like it seems like such a silly song, but, uh, I genuinely really, really enjoy this. Like I've played the hell out of this song in the last week. I, I like it yeah. a lot. Yeah. The guitar work is so good. Uh, there's actually, someone actually released an unofficial video of everything they talk about in the song. They cut it to old Godzilla movies where, you know, Godzilla was throwing trains or, you know, there goes Tokyo, like, you know, smashing up Tokyo and stuff like that. So it's a really cool video to watch actually to match the song to uh, Godzilla's actions. Yeah. Those, the old Godzilla movies, like the black and white ones, they're so good. It's so, so good because you, you look at them and you laugh because it's so clearly just a guy in a rubber suit, but yeah. it's also just, I don't know. It's so, it's so shameless and so carefree and like, they didn't care that it was just a guy in a rubber suit. Like they really, everyone bought in and those are great movies. I think, I think they still hold up. 
you know, and it's odd that, you know, obviously Godzilla is a very Japanese uh, type of myth and movie. And, you know, Godzilla sort of came out of the atomic age and obviously Japan had two atomic bombs dropped on them. So there's a lot of really backstory with, you know, what the atomic energy could do. Obviously in Japan, you know, they feel it more than anyone. So it's really interesting how Godzilla sort of came out of that mythos and, and history of, of Japan. Yeah. And it's really just a cautionary tale about meddling with nature and yeah. how nature always wins and, and always gets its revenge, which it's a classic theme, but there's a lot of really cool ideas to be explored there. And so I think that's why Godzilla resonates with audiences ever since it first came out in the fifties. Yeah. It's, they keep making Godzilla movies. They, 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 they do. don't stop. They don't slow down. And a uh, shout out to Darren. Darren, a few years ago, told me about a TV show he was watching called The Man from High Castle, and, which is on Amazon Prime. And I, we just started watching that. Uh, luckily, because we, we started watching it so late, there is four seasons. So uh, we can, you know, stream it and, and, and binge, binge watching it. But Darren, what a good show. I'm, I'm glad you, you did point that out to me when uh, we had a day where we had nothing to watch. So we started watching The Man. Them in in High Castle, and it's it's a really good show. So if you haven't heard it, uh, give it a watch. It's a very good show. Is it Godzilla related? Or it is not Godzilla related. Oh, it's okay. about um, you know. Remember that Marvel TV show that came out? What if? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of what if Japan and Nazi Germany won the war? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So it's like what would the world? History. Yeah. What would what would the world look like if that happened? Okay, so it's cool. very, it's very well done and very uh, thought provoking. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a, like Godzilla, it's a sleeper hit because, you know, I don't think many people watch it, but it's such a good show. So, uh, yeah, give it a, give it a, give it a go if you have some time. Yeah. And shout out Godzilla. If anyone listening to this podcast hasn't listened to Godzilla by, by the Blue Oyster Cult yet, just give it one listen, like at least just to listen to the lyrics because yeah. they're funny and, and also clever. It's a cool balance. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very cool song. Um, I had one other story. Uh, Angie saw blue oyster cult in concert a few times. And the day after her and her brother were walking through the city and they saw the members of blue oyster cult having breakfast in Brisbane. And they sort of gave each other the nod, like blue oyster cult sort of goes, yes, we are blue oyster cult. Please don't disturb us for breakfast. And they gave the nod back. It was like, we recognize you. We won't disturb you while you're having breakfast. <laughs> nice. uh, so they, so her and her brother have, you know, seen Blue Oyster Cult in concert and having breakfast in the Valley, I believe it was here in Brisbane. So, Very nice. Very nice. Shout yeah. out Blue Oyster Cult. Don't Fear the Reaper. Uh, that's always been a song I've liked because it was in Rock yeah. Band 1. And, right. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. And they have that SNL skit. That's very funny. The cowbell one. Yeah, so that was the other thing. Uh, that Blue Oyster Cult is known as the you know the song from that cowbell sketch uh, with Will Ferrell. Yeah, yep, yeah. So they're doing classic seventies band. Yeah, cool. I'm glad you liked it. I think it's a perfect Halloween song. It sort of has that funny monster sort of aspect of it. So yeah, so it's a good Halloween song for that. Yeah, definitely good pick. Yeah, uh, Darren, I'm assuming you've heard the song before. What are your thoughts on uh, Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult? Yeah, no, I like it. And I think, yeah, every time a Godzilla movie's come out, I think I've heard it on the radio or something, yeah. sort of, or it's popped up somewhere, so. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's a good idea by the band. Yeah, there, there have been a few Godzilla movies in the last little while, so it's a good idea. Cool. Uh, let's move on. I really want to uh, talk about your song. So uh, so tell us about um, The Unicorns. 
Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this one too because this is an older band and they're Canadian, the Unicorns. They're from Montreal and the song that we got for this week is Tough Ghost. It's from their first and only album, Who Will Cut Our Hair When We're Gone, released in 2003. And before we get into this, there's quite a bit to talk about. Darren, why don't you just hit play? Tough Ghost by the Unicorns. Canadian band, shout out, shout out. What did you think of Tough Ghost? I I love the song. I think it's so good. Uh, there's It builds so nicely. There's pauses in the song. Uh, you know, it's kind of spooky, but at the same time, kind of fun. I love the sound of the guitar and the instruments and the beat. It's got such a, it's got so many things going for it. It's a real uh, shame that this is the only album that they've ever released. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into why in a bit, but first of all, I'm just really happy that you like the music because I think this is so good. It, to me, it sounds like that stereotypical indie rock sound, what you'd you'd expect when you hear that, but with punk sensibilities, if that makes sense. Like it's, there's a lot of deliberate imperfections in the music and they really don't take themselves too seriously and it sort of just has that feeling of just two guys jamming and uh, despite all that it's so catchy it's a real earworm of a song like all their music is now this seems to be the kind of song or kind of band that this might have been and we'll we'll probably touch on this but you, you, you hinted that you were going to that this was like a side project for them or they're part of other bands and they've just come together and, and sort of did something as a one-off. Does, am I close to that? Uh, no, not really. This really? So okay. two guys, um, they, they met in Montreal and started making music together. And yeah, the, this was like their first foray really into, into releasing music. Um, they dropped this album and immediately it just got so much critical acclaim from like indie publications like Pitchfork, NME, uh, those sorts of online uh, blogs at the time. And yeah, they just, they blew up as much as you can within the underground scene, Um, especially in Montreal where they're from. They became known for having these like insane live shows that's that was sort of their their reputation was yeah they've got this one insane album and their live shows are epic like super super volatile uh always be like crazy shenanigans going on on stage and uh yeah but this was sort of their their main project and okay what came out of it yeah well no it's um the synth work is is brilliant. Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that bad guy by uh, Billie Eilish. It sort of has a, a, a very similar sort of beat to it. Obviously, I think it's a better song than Bad Guy yeah. by Billie Eilish. But, um, it sort of has that sort of odd 
beat quality to it. Uh, if that, if that makes any sense to you at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it feels dissonant. You know what I mean? Like it's good word. Yeah. Very dissonant. And, uh, I read that they, they used to always say that they set their, they would get old vintage synths from like flea markets and and thrift stores and they would tune them to what they called the fart setting (laughs) because they (laughs) just thought it was a funny sound. Yeah. So, so that's a type of, of guys they were, right. They were just, they never took themselves too seriously. Uh, they were just trying to make music they thought was fun. And I think that really reflects in it because it's, they're clearly very talented musicians, but they just had fun with what they're making. Yeah, that that go that fart sounding synthesizers goes back to the seventies when Brian Eno and David Bowie were working together, and they got the first synths from uh, that were in production, and they just went in there and tried to make them sound as weird as they possibly could, and and played with the circuitry to make it to make them make fart noises. So that's a that's a long standing tradition in music to fuck fuck around with the synths and get them to make weird things. There you go. The unicorns certainly yeah. carried that on. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I guess they're the unicorns and, uh, you know, they have one and done, I guess, you know, they have one, one horn and one album. Exactly. Yeah. They're all about the, the singulars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So funny enough, like despite their music sounding like it's really fun, it's irreverent, um, that punk element to it. Mm -hmm. This is actually very much a concept album, um, about death, (laughs) which is very funny. But the first half of the album is all about being afraid to die and not accepting your death uh, and all the things that come with that. And the second half is about the protagonist, like coming to terms with death, being okay with it, not being afraid anymore. This song uh, falls on the second half of the album. And it's all about the protagonist comparing themselves to a ghost because as they've accepted the inevitability of death, they feel like they're now already dead. Because it's like, oh, I'm going to die anyway. I might as well be dead yeah. now. And then they have this like nihilistic outlook on life because they feel as if they're already dead. So wow. cool, yeah. cool uh, <laughs> philosophy stuff there in such a funny song. Well, did you hear uh, what William Shatner, who recently went into space, I think he went on the Je- Jeff um, Bezos space capsule, whatever it's called, on his reaction to, to being in space? I don't know if you heard the interview. I did. did. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of reminded me of that. He sort of looked out into the blackness of space and he felt like it was a funeral. He was like going to a funeral because it was so dark and so black and so filled with nothing that he had the opposite effect that a lot of people get when they go up into space. He, you know, found the mortality of life in, in his trip to space, which which is quite quite a different uh, thing to, to do. Um, that probably has his, his age probably has a lot to do with that. Yeah, it was very sobering to read what he had yeah. to say because he, he said like he was expecting to feel joyful and jubilant when, when he got up there to space. But instead, he, it just confirmed to him that it's a very lonely existence we have on, on our planet and that it's really all there is that we've got that's attainable to us, at least right now. And yeah. Yeah, very sobering stuff. And I don't know if you saw the video of when they first like got back and it's him like trying to talk to yeah. Jeff Bezos about yeah, it was his, sad, yeah. his experience. William Shatner's like trying to make this profound statement and, and reflect upon their experience. And, and Jeff Bezos like cuts him off and is like, Oh, here, pop a bottle of champagne with us. And there's like 
girls screaming and like the, they've got the champagne popping and William Shatner's just standing there contemplating his mortality. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a very sad thing to watch uh, someone going through something and com- being completely ignored and you know that that goes to the human condition again. We want to celebrate. We don't we don't like to delve in or dwell on our mortality or sad thoughts. So yeah, that's what when you talked about that part of the song, that's that sort of reminded me of, of the William Shatner experience. And I think that's why the unicorns chose to make the music sound so fun mm. and, and happy and carefree. And then they juxtapose that with it, with the actual lyrics being about very real, serious themes. And I, yeah. I always like a good juxtaposition in music. Yeah. I think that's cool. No, I, you know, I've obviously I'd never heard of this band. Um, I was not really expecting, you know, when you hear a band like called the unicorns, you're sort of, I don't know, I was expecting a really sort of happy, trippy sort of sound. And, and it wasn't that at all. It was not that it wasn't happy. Obviously the song is quite, quite upbeat. Um, but yeah, what a, I love the sound of that. Those synths. That was amazing. Yeah. And I, I was actually a little bit surprised that you'd never heard of this band just because I feel like they kind of fit your timeline a little bit. This album would have dropped in 2003 and they're a Canadian yeah. band. Yeah, that's really interesting. That would have been around my timeline because I moved to Australia in 2007. So it would have been 2007 where I really lost touch in a lot of Canadian music because I just wasn't around to hear it. But I must admit, must admit this definitely didn't get played on the radio station or the, you know, whatever, however I was consuming music at the time, definitely didn't get played. Maybe it was a Montreal thing at the time and it's just sort of escaped it from the internet. And, and now it's, you know, it's a little bit more well-known now, but uh, yeah, I definitely not, did not hear it at the time. Yeah. I, I feel like originally they had a very, very uh, small cult following. Like I said, mm. it was mostly just based on how good their live shows were. And when this album came out, people who, uh, found out about it were diehard fans um and it was funny they actually weren't by other musicians and bands in the montreal indie scene at the time they were sort of looked at as outcasts yeah. because the montreal music scene was very much like stiff upper lip and like very serious and uh, all about making like very good high quality music that's how they saw themselves and the unicorns, on the other hand, they would wear coordinated stage costumes and uh, be jumping around on stage and be chaos, chaotic performances, super volatile, um, just a lot of crazy stuff going on at their shows. And that did not jive with uh, the rest of the Montreal-based bands, except for one, uh, Arcade Fire, who yeah. became very, very, very close with this band. And right. they played a lot of shows together. They've toured together. And at one point, they had a collaboration album in the works that wow. got canned because the Unicorn split up. Well, that is the time frame of when the Montreal scene became quite quite big. You had like Arcade Fire, Metric. Um, who was the band that we, we saw uh, in concert? I think they're from Montreal too, aren't Broken they? Broken Social Scene? Yeah. Are they Montreal? I, I think they might be Toronto, but close enough. Okay. But I think Feist is from Montreal. Um, so there's definitely was a Montreal scene going out that time. So I can understand why they were, um, you know, pushed to the back burner because, yeah, this does not fit that sort of sound that was coming out of Montreal. No. So th- they did find kindred spirits in, in Arcade Fire, though. Like like I said, yeah. the coordinated stage costumes and yeah. you know, we've both <laughs> seen Arcade very... Fire live. They, they really go for it with their jumping around yes. and like climbing on stuff. 
Yes, that is what Arcade, yeah, Arcade Fire Amazing for that, yeah. And so the reason the Unicorns only ever made one album, why they broke up, is because mm. after this album came out, they toured basically nonstop for two years. They did North America a few times, they did Europe, they even went yeah. to Australia, uh, just constantly playing this album because, as I said, they just got this reputation of being a great live band and everyone wanted to book them. And then they got back home in uh, end of 2004 and basically mm. immediately split up, said, yeah, we can't, we can't work together anymore. <laughs> it was just right. too much, the touring schedule. Yeah. That's, a, that's a shame. You know, some people, I guess, only last for as long as they need to last. And at least they got a hell of an album out of it. And, what you know, I actually started listening. I went on to Amazon uh, and actually listened to a couple other of their songs. And very good band. I really, I really dug it. Yeah, no, they, they make great stuff. And it's, I feel like they've had a bit of a resurgence uh, in, in the internet age, just from, again, publications like Pitchfork, who now they're releasing articles like uh, 20-year anniversary or, or whatever of, of the Unicorns album, or like they look back in retrospect now and write about how incredible this album was. And that reaches a whole new audience of people my age um, who are like, they hear about the unicorns, how good this album is, and and they check it out. So mm. that's how I found found out about this band. It was through a, a Reddit post someone made on like the indie rock subreddit, right. saying, um, "Yeah, check out this band, one of the best al- Canadian uh, indie albums, and yeah, it's quality. It's definitely quality." Right. No, I I dug it so much. Um, I definitely have delved into the album and listened to the whole album. So yeah, really good stuff. Uh, um, I'm sad that I didn't know it back in 2003 when I was around in Canada. Uh, it's, a, it's a shame that I, that I didn't come across this band. What about you, Darren? What do you, what do you think about tough ghost and the unicorns? I didn't mind the song, except it was a little bit sort of staticky noisy at the beginning, which just didn't sit well with me. Yeah, it's that again that dissonance, that like weird mm-hmm. intro. Yeah, and the fart synths. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, really dug it. Uh, so yeah, so thank, I'm gonna add that one to my play- playlist. It's been added in. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what song do you have for me for next week? So we're continuing Spooktober, so it'll actually be Halloween next episode. So we'll we'll actually I think this uh, this episode might actually come out on Halloween. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well. Uh, for the last episode of Spooktober, uh, you're going to listen to Vamp Anthem by uh, one of my favorite artists, Playboy Cardi. It's, uh, you'll know as soon as you press play on this song why it's been chosen. We'll just say that. Cool. cool. I like uh, I like Playboy Cardi, so looking forward to that. And you're going to listen to a song that I almost played for you last Spooktober. It is one of my favorite Halloween songs of all time. It's called Bat Dance by Prince. Oh, it, I love Prince. It is a hot, hot mess. It is, it is incredibly indulgent. And uh, he, if Prince had an editor on this song, I, I wonder what it would become. But he was Prince. This song came out in 1988. He was at the height of his powers. And no one would say no to Prince. So he created a hot mess. Uh, so this was for the Batman movie that came out in 1988. So this was the, the Michael Keaton movie. Kim Basinger movie. So this was the uh, the official theme song of the movie, and it is incredible. I know the, the audience or the listeners can't see my face right now, but I'm beaming ear to ear, and I've been yeah. nodding ever since you started describing 
this yeah. song. Uh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> yeah, Bat Dance is uh, it's incredible. So I hope you like it. Cool. Uh, let's get into this week in movie history. This week in movie history. So I was born in 1973. Nick was born in the year 2000. So what we do is we look at music or movies that were sort of popular uh, at that time, and we sort of delve into a little bit. Um, so the number one movie in 1973 was a movie called Fritz the Cat. Have you ever heard of Fritz the Cat? No, never. That's new to me. So uh, this goes to show you what 1973 must have been like. Uh, so Enter the Dragon was was huge. So there's a lot of kung fu movies, as we talked about. There's a lot of number one movies that were kung fu based. And Fritz the Cat was, it's a cartoon. It's the first X-rated cartoon that ever made it to number one. X-rated? Uh, X-rated cartoon. So there's a lot of sex, animal sex, a lot of animal nudity, a lot of drug taking. Fritz was what? one high cat. Yeah. Um, it's a weird movie. Yeah. The, the, a movie like that was like, it was number one. It did well. Yeah. It did really, really well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so the, there's a couple of reasons why. Um, at this time in America, they just um, so pornography for for many years was really illegal, and it could only be shown in certain venues. I'll say, uh, but then the Supreme Court sort of passed a law saying that you know it can be sort of played anywhere. So that opened up a lot of the door for a lot of sort of pornographic movies to get into the mainstream. And this is an animated version of that. Interesting. Okay. I, yeah. Wow. So let me tell you what the movie's about. So I actually wrote this down. It's, it's quite interesting. So Fritz decides on a whim to drop out of college and interacts with any inner city African-American crows, uh, unintentionally starts a race riot and becomes a leftist revolutionary. The film is a satire focusing on American college life, race relations, and the free love movement, and serves as a criticism for the countercultural political revolution and the dishonest political activity. So there you go. It's a it's an X-rated cartoon that features all that. Wow, that's all. That's all I can say. Uh, wow. It's, it even gets weirder than that. Um, the director of this movie is Ralph Bakshi, who's still alive. But in 1978, he did an animated version of Lord of the Rings. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah, I have, actually. Same director. So Ralph Bakshi is the one who did this one. Wow. Yeah, still stunned, honestly. Yeah. I'm still processing so, like the, um, the, the Fritz the Cat uh, synopsis. Yeah. Uh, so that Lord of the Rings movie was supposed to be two movies instead of three. So they're supposed to do two movies. They never did the second movie. Um, they use something called a rotoscope, which is they filmed characters live. And then they, then they then hand painted the, the stills to look like a cartoon. So part of the movie's cartoon, part of the movie's rotoscope. So it made for an odd, you've seen it. It's a really odd movie to watch because of that. It's really disjointed. Yeah, yeah, it feels like a like a bad acid trip of a movie. Honestly, it's just right. yeah. That's Fritz strange. the Cat as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're gonna listen to a song called from Bo Diddley. Have you ever heard Bo Diddley? No. So Bo Diddley is a is a soul like a R&B singer from like the fifties. Um, this song is called the Bo Diddley song by Bo Diddley. Uh, so Darren, just hit play. Bo Diddley. 
So what you just heard is the most ripped off guitar sound that has ever been created. That guitar sound, which is which is known as the Bo Diddley sound, has been ripped off by the Rolling Stones, U2, Jet, the Stooges, the Clash, the Smiths, Guns N' Roses, etc., etc., etc. It's it is the most ripped off guitar sound that has ever been performed. Like just that jangly sort of guitar. That jangly guitar. Yeah. Have you heard yeah. Desire by by U2? Oh yeah, great song. Yeah. Complete ripoff of Bo Diddley. <laughs> okay, nice. Yeah, it's a complete ripoff. Yeah, um, and they bands admit it. Yep, it's that Bo Diddley sound that they like so much, and that's uh, yeah, that's that's where they get it from. Sorry, did you say? Circling back, did you say the crows were African American? <laughs> yes, they are. How how can crows be African <laughs> African American? Well, right? you have to watch the movie to see they're hep cats. Well, they're hep crows, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yes, uh, you have to see the movie to see the crows as the um, as the black African Americans. Yes, it's um, it's something, Nick. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Now you have to watch it without any wokeness. You can't watch it in your today's eyes. Okay. Because it is completely racist if you watch it in today's sort of mentality. Like I was gonna say, like that's like the that plot line that sounded like just the most like just terrible <laughs> stuff ever. Yeah. You, yeah, you can't you can't think of it as today. Like you like you okay. know have you ever, have you ever read Huck Finn Huckleberry Finn? No, I haven't. Okay, so Huckleberry Finn has a lot of racist overtones, but it was written in the 1800s when slavery was still sort of a thing. So yes, you have yes. to, and, and the, the language used in the book and is is very racist. But again, the author is writing from his time and place, so you have to sort of understand what 1973 was coming from. So you can't sort of view it in today's viewing. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This was acceptable in 1973. It was a number one hit. So just yeah, just go with that one. Sure. Uh, in the year 2000, Meet the Parents is still number one. Huge movie. It was uh, probably Ben Stiller's biggest movie that he's ever made. Um, so instead, we're going to – I think this was the number eight movie. Uh, it's called Best in Show. Have you ever seen Best in Show? No. Nope. One of my favorite movies of all time. It's a, it's it's like a mockumentary. It's a fake documentary about oh, yeah. people people that breed dogs for dog shows. That sounds hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And in the whole chaos that follows. And we're going to listen to um, a song called Terrier Style, which is sung by Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara from Schitt's Creek. If, so they're the, they're, they're on Schitt's Creek. I don't know if you know Schitt's Creek, but they're the sort of parents on that show. They've been together in comedy since the seventies. So uh, they were um, played husband and wife in this movie. So we're going to listen to Terrier Style from Best in Show. Darren just hit play. It's a very funny movie. Uh, that it, as horrible as that sounds, it sort of makes sense in the context of the movie. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. I love that movie. Um, yeah. So, what are your plans for the rest of the week? Uh, not much. Not much. It's uh, it's kind of cold. It's it's too cold to do much. So, I think just another chill weekend. Um, preparing for Halloween the weekend after. 
yeah. gotta, I still have to sort out uh, costumes and and that sort of thing. I have no idea what I'm going to be, but uh, we'll figure it out. And I officially land on November 1st, so I'm looking forward to the cooler weather. So I can't wait for that. Uh, I got all my sweaters uh, out of the closet, and nice. I now own I own three pairs of jeans now. So I bought a couple extra pairs of jeans. So I have Very my nice. winter clothes all set. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I had to buy jeans because I only had the one pair. Fantastic. Well, Canada is, yeah. is waiting for you. It's yeah. delightfully cold fall air. Cool. Uh, is there still, are the trees still golden or are they sort of, is it, is that gone? Yeah, it's, that's sort of, I mean, to be fair, I live in Toronto. I don't really see trees. Yeah. So I can't speak on that. Yeah. I'm hoping to get a little bit of the fall color still when I get there, but I, it, I know I'm pushing it landing on that date. So let's see, let's see what the, the trees look like when I land. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. And Darren, what are you up to for the rest of the week? Uh just working and going through photos. I have a wedding that I'm photographing tomorrow, so I have to uh, get ready for that. And nice. I'm going to go see Black Adam today at some point. Your weekly wedding that you must photograph. This is this is my last one, I think, for the year, unless something drastically happens when I'm in Canada or in December when I get back. So, the, so I think this is my last wedding of the year. Gotcha. Nice. Well, enjoy Black yeah. Adam. Let me know how bad it is. I will. Yeah, fingers crossed that it's horrible because I really, I really dig bad movies. So let's let's see let's see what this one has. Yeah, I'm hoping it's really terrible for you. Me, me too. Uh, all right, let's get into our independent music. So our independent artist of this week is one we've played before and one of our favorites. Her name is Sorsha, and the song we're going to play is a song called "Expired," which was a brand new single for it. Came out a couple weeks ago, and we're happy to play. This is three new singles in a row by three artists that we really like. Um, independent music is really everything. So please add this to your streaming. Um, this is a really beautiful haunting song. Sorsha, I, we, you know, I dig it. Uh, what a great song. And thank you for letting us play it. Uh, Darren, just hit play and we'll talk to you next week. Why can't we leave this?
You've been listening to Just Hit Play. To contact your hosts, Peter and Nick, or to be featured on an episode as musical talent, email justhitplay7300 at gmail.com. Keep up to date with news and announcements by following on Instagram and Facebook, linked in the show notes. Subscribe on your favourite podcatcher to tune in next week for more Sonic Delights. And if you can't wait till then, check out the Just Hit playlist on Spotify linked in the show notes a special thanks to me angie moss for the theme song featured in the soundtrack to strange breed a moss siblings production linked in the show notes and thank you for listening